Father God, we thank you for this time together. Holy, we, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace in this place. We thank you, Father God, to, to speak to us right now. Lord, you see it all. You see what we're up against. You see what we've been battling with. And Lord, I ask today through your word that it would be worship, that it would be our weapon. Lord, I pray for each friend and family out there today, for my brother and for my sister. Lord, I pray that you would give them exactly what they need to hear today. To equip them, to empower them, and most importantly, Father God, that they would know that you love them. Lord, this is your stage, and we give it to you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, welcome, family. How are you doing this morning? All right, all right. Some of you need to know the coffee is on the house, so you can help yourself to that. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for uh, joining us in this brand new series, Scarcity. I even have, whoa, we're doing this, are we? <laughs> oh, we're in it now. Come on. You don't know what you're getting. Thanks, honey. That was great, by the way. Uh, I've got my mom from just south of Winnipeg, Manitoba, showed up today in the front row. It's such an honor to, to have family and friends here today um, with us. And, you know, if you're, if you're celebrating a birthday or, or an anniversary, we celebrate you today. My wife and I just celebrated 16 years on Friday. And uh, we know there's other family members in the house that are celebrating an anniversary or birthday. And it's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to come together and do church like this. So you're probably wondering, why did they give the pastor a paddle? Don't worry. It's for good. <laughs> Not for evil. <laughs> um, but in this series, scarcity, it's a, it's a bit of a play on words. You know that we're all dealing with fear. We all, we're all afraid of something and a lot of the times, according to the studies by Harvard, we fear things that haven't even happened yet. We make up a big story in our mind, and, and we tend to believe the stories we tell ourselves. And I've encouraged you guys before that, you know, today might be a day of, of um, divorcing some of those stories and marrying the truth about what God says about you today. I believe that. But fear is an unpleasant emotion. It is caused by the belief that someone or something that is dangerous, is likely to cause you pain or a threat. Uh, recently, I had this desire, and some of the men already know about this, but pretend it's the first time you're hearing the story, man. But I, <laughs> I had this desire for a sense of adventure. I, I like being outdoors, and I wanted to get out, and somehow I convinced my beautiful bride that I was going to buy a whitewater kayak. <laughs> Yeah, you could tell where this is going. So um, I purchased this whitewater kayak, and, and the same day that I wanted to take it out, the day that I purchased it, um, we had a bit of a storm. Rain was coming down, and any of you that know what happens in the river, when rain goes down, the river goes up. And I thought that would just add to the adventure, right? I like the water. I... I do other things in the water. I sea do. I uh, wakeboard. I've even surfed. I really w like the water. So I, I was pretty confident 
and how I would do with the rapids that day. And so as my wife sent me off, no, actually, <laughs> we were alongside the river before I left. She said, is there anything I can say to talk you out of this, you know? Um, but I decided to push off anyway. And, and just as I was going around the corner, just as I was out of her sight, that's when things got real bad. I ended up upside down, trapped underneath this kayak. Yeah, mom, sorry, she's hearing this for the first time. <laughs> Shh. How do I give you the PG version? I, uh, <laughs> I'm getting dragged down the river and I can't get out. I can't get out for the life of me. I can't get out because if you know the way whitewater kayaks work, you're, you're strapped in. Like they even have a skirt. And if it wasn't for the old man that sold it to me, that told me about the handle that I needed to reach for in it or in it to get out, I probably wouldn't be here today. But when I was trapped under that thing, I, I couldn't breathe and I started to panic. And I thought, oh God, no, this can't be the way that I go. You know, and I reached and I reached and I could not find that handle. And it, of course, the last minute, all of a sudden, I came free. I came to service, surface and yes, I didn't die. But it taught me a few things. Maybe some of you in this room understand the feeling of being dragged along the current events. Maybe you aren't literally trapped under the water, but maybe you've been in a situation that you didn't plan for, that you weren't prepared for. A situation that maybe where you felt the fear of having your supply say goodbye. And how many of you know that circumstances can change in a hurry? Thank you, Kelsey. Just like that. Things can turn from bad to worse. And some of us, even the fear of having less or being able to do less can cause us to go into a state of either fight or flight. Am I speaking to you today? And it can be hard to focus on faith when you're frustrated. When you feel like you're grasping for air. Just like it could be hard to see what God has for you when all you focus on is what you're afraid of losing or what's being taken from you. The reality is I, I know I've been given much. I know I'm blessed. Hey, honey. And I know that I'm blessed to be a blessing, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with battles. The scary thing is, is having to let go or having it taken from you. That can put us in a mindset of scarcity. Thinking there isn't enough to go around. That we're in short supply. But God never just designed you to get by. Come on. He's a God of more than enough. But I get it. When things don't line up with the blueprint, when they don't line up with, with, with what I'm building, what I'm facing, I'm faced with a battle. It's not always out here. It's the battle in here or up in here. And when I feel that my rights have been taken away from me or I, I feel that I'm being attacked, 
or worse yet, that my family's being attacked, my friends are being attacked, my church is being attacked. I have a tendency to put up walls. Do you? And then the real battle begins. The battle of mindsets and the battle of miracles. You ready for it? Well, if you can relate, if you feel in some way that you've been raided and in need of a rescuer, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. The Bible is full of people overwhelmed with mindsets and experienced miracles. David, King David was, and his men were constantly under attack. And they weren't just threatened to have everything taken away. One day that fear became a reality. You see, when they were out battling, another army had come in and took everything. Women, children, everything. And when they come back from battle to find out what had happened, they became, well, sad. The Bible says that they, they cried until they couldn't cry anymore. But then they became mad. And guess who they turned to to be mad at? David, their leader. They started turning on their leader to the point they were like, let's stone the dude. That's my translation. But no, for real, they were going to stone him. They were going to kill him. Scarcity does this thing to us. Fear does this thing to us to try to pull us away from our faith. And I want to read together here, starting in 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30, verses 3 and 4. And if not, it'll be on the screen here for you as well. And it says this. When David and his men reached Zigleg, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Taken captive. And so David and his men cried out loud until they had no strength left to weep. Nothing left. Nothing left. See, there's the curse of captivity. The curse of captivity can lead us to complacency. I'll say that again. The curse of captivity, feeling captive, feel like you're under control, you can eventually get to the place where you just become complacent. Instead of you doing something about it, you play the blame game. And you blame others. You start pointing it towards your own family. And you start attacking your own family because you become complacent. It, it's okay to mourn, but eventually you got to get moving. Right? Come on. Eventually we got to get moving. In verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed. I would be. Because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Who's Lord over your life? Who's Lord over your situation, your circumstances, your feelings? Lord, 
When we feel distressed, it's easy to digress, right? Shut off from others, shut off from the world, shut off from our purpose and our calling. And when there's a threat of everything being taken away, really? It's time to pray. But that's not usually our first response. We want to attack. But remember who you're fighting against. The Bible says that we're not at war against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Remember what and who you're fighting for. Remember who the real enemy is. In verse 8, this is key. It says, and David inquired of the Lord. We could just park right there. Our response is our responsibility. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them. The Lord answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. It's not just about you. It's about the rescue. We move from a state of captivity to certainty when? When we get confirmation. When we get confirmation. How do you know that you're even called? Who confirms your call? Well, Christ confirms your call. Christ, Jesus, confirms your call. When you're under attack, who's the first person that you ask? Or do you even ask? <laughs> are, you, are you like me sometimes? You just, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. Ask for forgiveness later. Uh, that doesn't work out great. My first point is that we need to ask before we advance. Come on. Ask, not after, ask before you advance. How many of us, you know, you don't, don't put up your hands, but men um, have kind of pursued or made moves before first talking to our spouse. Again, keep your hands to yourself, ladies. Don't elbow your husband right now. Come on, just, just agree with me inside. How many of us, have made moves even before talking to maybe wise counsel, maybe a leader, a, a pastor. How about how many of us make moves before talking to our maker? What God put on my heart is, is this really about a, a trust in me or is it about trust in thee? Ooh. You feeling it? I know I'm not just preaching to myself today. Come on. If you're, if you're feeling it, say, I feel it. Okay. Awesome. This all leads to hope and good news, by the way. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Is it, is it really? So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Next time you're about to advance, ask and is this a moment like, maybe you don't understand. Well, go figure. A lot of us do not understand what's going on right now. Lean not into your own understanding. How do you think I got into the river and in that place in the first place? Leaning in to my own understanding. If I had really taken the time 
to ask before I advanced, if I had, oh, that would have been humbling, but if I had done the right thing, and I asked myself, Lord, is this the wise thing to do? Is literally what my wife said to me before I left. Oh, don't, honey, don't do it. No, it's not about wisdom right now. <laughs> it's about being in the wild. <laughs> oh, you stupid, stupid man. <laughs> I was saying to the guys, I, I bet you, I bet you in that moment, God's looking down at me. He's like, Gabriel, come here. Check this out. Check this fool out. Oh, my goodness, Michael. You, you guys send some guys down right now. He's actually getting in the water right now. I've got a church to build, and I want to use him. He's got five kids at home. What? Oh! You know, like literally. And I'm under the water. Like, Leave him under there a little longer. He's got to remember them. <laughs> come on. If you can't come to church and laugh at your situation. The joy of the Lord is my strength, so thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you. Right, but we make moves before consulting our maker, and then we wonder why we're in that mess. Right? I can't blame the rain. I can't blame the river. I sure, I sure can't blame my wife. Can't blame the man that sold me the white water kayak. Couldn't you give me a better one that keeps you upright? You see, David could have been moved by scarcity, but instead he was moved by the Spirit. I'll say that again. There's always that tension to be moved by scarcity, by lack, or what we think we don't have, or there's not enough to go around, and so we build walls. Or we can move by the Spirit, and the Spirit's in the tearing down walls business, by the way. <laughs> Whatever battle you face... You won't win it unless God's spirit is in it. I'm telling you, you might think like you're winning. <laughs> it's like the guy getting choked out, you know, and you're like, ah, I'm still in this. <laughs> you won't win it unless God is in it. In verse 10, it says that 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. Some of us are at the point we just, we're exhausted. We feel like we don't even have it in us to continue the pursuit. I get that. Not everyone is going to cross over into their calling. Okay? There's good news. Say there's good news. There's hope for you yet. If you came to church today and you're living and, and breathing, you, you, there's good news. There's, there's hope for us. There's hope for us. But I'm going to caution you too. This isn't in my notes, but you need to be careful um, to who you listen to and lean into in this season. I sure hope whoever you're listening to is pointing you to Jesus, to pointing you to the faith and the hope and the gospel, which means good news. Because there's, there's a lot of people that will miss their miracle in this moment, in this season, if they don't listen to men and women that are listening to God. And so, so they go out except for the other 200. The rest of the men, they go out to fight the battle. And while they're out there, they find an Egyptian slave. He was a slave of, this, of their enemy. The Amalekites had taken this slave, and check this out. The slave became sick, so they did away with him. You're out of the picture. You're sick. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Check this out. David and his men find the Egyptian slave 
give him food, give him water, because it's been three days without food and water. They take care of him. Someone that they overlooked, someone that was sick and in need of healing, they took in and took care of. So the Egyptian agreed that he would take them. He knew where the army was, where their enemies were. Come on, somebody. Woo! You're seeing a mess right now. God has a message. You're seeing pain. God has purpose. You're going through a test. It's going to be a testimony. God's not done with you yet. Verse 16, he led David down. And there, there were scattered over the countryside. The enemy was scattered, eating, drinking, reveling because of the great amount of plunder that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. Their women, their children, all their stuff. We can be taken over by the very thing that we take in. When stuff becomes our source instead of our savior, the very thing that we escape to, we can be enslaved by. Our pleasures can lead us to pain if they're not used for the right purpose. In verse 17, it says, David fought them. There's a battle. He fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away, I like this part, except the 400 young men who rode off on their camels and fled. I'm guessing the reason that's in there is because they saw them coming and they were cowards. They took off in the first place. They didn't even stay for the fight. David recovered everything. Say everything. Everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. That's another story. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. God is going to restore everything that's been robbed from you. It's all coming back. Now is your time. I truly believe that God is shifting the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous. Right now it's happening. We're seeing it. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says, a good person leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a, the sinner's wealth, the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. It's stored up for you, ladies and gentlemen. Now is your time. It's coming. You might not see it, but don't miss your miracle because it's already happening. There are businesses that are starting. There are families that are thriving. We're in a season, as my family, we've never been so blessed before because we are faithful. And faithfulness is what brings on the fruitfulness. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And you better keep moving forward because God's got so much in store for you. Don't be distracted. Don't be diverted. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. See, David's generosity led to his family's freedom from captivity. That's my second point. Generosity takes us out of captivity. I don't care how much wealth you think you've got. I still coach men and women today 
that have a poverty mentality. And nothing's ever enough. They don't have enough. And they just strive after stuff. And God wanted you to have stuff. He just didn't want the stuff to have you. But generosity breaks the poverty mentality. Generosity breaks the poverty mentality. When they approached their camp, there was those other 200 men, remember? They were too exhausted to cross over and fight. So the rest of the soldiers, they, they come back, all the women, the children, and all the stuff. And, and those fighting men, there were some of them that didn't want to share, didn't want to give back everything to the other 200 that didn't fight. But when everyone else had a mindset of scarcity, like there wasn't enough to go around, not David, he had a mindset of generosity. In verse 22, it says, but all the evil men and troublemakers, among David's followers, by the way, said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder that we have recovered. Oh, come on. Where do you think you got that from? You think you did that on your own strength? You think the battle is yours or the Lord's? However, each man may take his wife and children and go. Oh, come on. That doesn't sound like generosity. It says the evil men. 1 Timothy uh, 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root, the love of, not money, by the way, just to get that clear. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have, have wandered away, the scripture says, from the true faith and pierced themselves with sorrows. It says, pierce themselves with sorrows. Remember, if you don't know the purpose of something, you'll abuse it. And if you think that there isn't enough, or you think that there's lack, and you don't think that God is, is more than enough, where, where do you think? Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I do a new thing. Where? In the wasteland, in the wilderness. It, when it seems like there is no way. In the desert, he says, I'm making streams in the desert, the prophet Isaiah says. This is God speaking through the prophets. Don't miss your miracle. The love of wealth can cause us to wander. At first, they were, they were fighting for their family. But now they're fighting each other. Church, I hope you hear me. We are all part of the body of Christ. We need to be lifting up building up and encouraging each other all the more. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, all the more. We got to build up, pray for our, our sisters and brothers, and especially those that don't believe yet. That are like, we're like me in that river upside down. Can you imagine literally drowning right now and not having true hope? The hope that is found in Jesus. We got to remember who we're really fighting and what we're fighting for. Because stuff, money, can make, no, let me correct that. Money doesn't make you funny. It doesn't have that power. It doesn't have that authority. Don't give it that power and authority. But we can act funny around money. Right? <laughs> we can act weird around wealth. Everybody's all and enjoys the meal until the bill comes around, right? <laughs> 
do I stall enough when I open my wallet? You know, like, that's not what God wants. My wife would say delayed obedience is disobedience. We're called to be generous. God says that he will bless the cheerful giver. It's not up to your buddy to bless you, but just do your part. Generosity will release you from captivity and a mindset of poverty. See, they wanted to protect their own plunder. And wealth can cause us to put up walls, right? It's not ours in the first place. It's not ours in the first place. My last point is that wealth can build walls. You know, walls can be both good and bad, right? Walls are designed to keep things in and keep certain things out. But sometimes the walls that we put up can keep the good things out and the bad things in. Would you agree, yes or no? Okay. We can build walls based on scarcity instead of walls based on generosity. We can be wealthy and yet still have a mindset of poverty. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Might treat someone a little different when you leave church today, eh? Oh, she's the Lord's. Yeah. Him too? Yeah. Even that fiat, faith-like fiat? No, sorry. It's just stuff, right? I, my wife has a Fiat. I drive it to stay humble. <clears throat> James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not, someone say does not, who does not change like the shifting shadows. There's a lot of shifting and a lot of sifting going on. But God's love never changes. His promises never change. Verse 23, David replied, No. No, my brothers. You must not do that with what the Lord has given us. Ooh. What has the Lord given you? What's in your hand? Who has he put in your care? Don't do that. Don't have a mindset of scarcity. Don't put up walls to keep people out. He has protected us and delivered us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. He delivered us. Not you, not me. He delivered us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supply is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. This is just like the kingdom of God, isn't it? Don't think that you've just done enough good things that's going to get you into the kingdom. And don't get so distracted when someone comes to a place of repentance and comes to know the Lord and starts getting blessed and you're like, Lord, where's my blessing? He might take you back to the story of the prodigal son. And the other brother was really about the other brother. Everything I had was always yours. They overcame the mindset that they were raided by God's miracle of the mindset knowing they were actually rescued. 
Before I paddled down the river that day, the very last thing we did, honey, is what? We prayed. We prayed. Even though I'd been raided by the rapids, my own stupidity, trapped in the current, my condition did not change my calling. And neither should it change yours. God released me from my own captivity. And he rescued me from that river so that I could deliver this message to you today. Come on. Come on. God's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. Imagine if, just imagine if, church, instead of having a mindset that we are constantly being raided, that we carry a mindset that we've already been rescued. Our Redeemer lives! We could move from a state, a mental state, of thinking that we are victimized to the state of being victorious. And then we could actually start rescuing others that are being raided by the current events. The takeaway I have for you today is to change your mindset from being raided to rescued. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mindset. Mindset. Proverbs 18.16 says that he reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. That's for all of us. I get it. You feel like you're drowning. I get it. You feel trapped by the current. You feel like you're upside down right now. You didn't, I didn't see that wave coming. But 1 Corinthians 1.30 of the message says, everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me right now in this moment? Stand on some stability right now on the word of God. <laughs> Not on the worries of this world. I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're in this place and you can relate to what I've been saying, you feel raided. You feel taken by the current events. And you're in need of a rescuer. His name is Jesus. He came not to start a religion, but a relationship with you and me. You don't think God saw this coming? He already had a plan. He sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came down. He touched people that no one would touch. He spent time with people that no one would spend time with. He laid hands and healed the sick. And he took away the biggest resistance that we would ever face, and that is sin. He offered himself up as a sacrifice for you and me, and he overcame sin and death. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Witnesses saw it, recorded it. He took 10, 11 of his followers that were 
at the point of the cross were cowards. They ran, they were scared. But after his resurrection, they would not deny what they saw and what they witnessed to the point of their own death. If you're in need of a rescuer, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if we believe in our hearts, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe that God the Father raised his son from the grave, we will be saved. So I want to lead us in a prayer right here, right now. And if you've never prayed this prayer, I ask you to do so with your whole heart. If you have prayed this prayer, would you just pray it again with me, with your brothers and sisters? Maybe you were like me. Maybe you've been going down the current of events and you've been doing it your own way and it's time to come back. It's time before you do any more advancing to ask and to put him first. Would you just pray after me? Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I know what it's like to feel attacked, to have things taken from me. And I know what it's like to sin. Would you please forgive me? You see, I believe that you chose to die for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. Would you come into my heart? Would you be Lord over my life? I need a reset. Would you be Lord over my mind? Thank you. Today is a new day with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stay in this moment. This, this is a beautiful moment right now. I can feel God's presence in this moment right now. His presence is in this place right now. I'm just going to ask you right now, if, if, if this message spoke to you, if the presence of God spoke to you through his word today, would you just give me a thumbs up? All eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Just so I know, it's for you that God spoke to you. That's not for me. That's for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. God is speaking to you. He wants you to know it. And the second question I have for you is if you prayed that prayer for the first time ever and you start a relationship with Jesus right now, just give me a thumbs up in the room so I see you. Thank you. God sees you. His plans and purposes for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. Praise God. But what we're going to do next is we're going to worship. And as a church that we are, we have a, covenant with God and the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you need to actually step into the water and leave some stuff behind in the water today. In Romans, it says that when we go under the water in baptism, that we are crucified with Christ. Just like when he went to the grave. When we come up out of the water, we are resurrected with Christ. Will you struggle with sin? But you will no longer be captivated by it. It will no longer have control over you, authority over you. So as we worship, if you want to come down, we fill it in faith every Sunday. And if you want to get in, we're here. We got extra clothes. We got towels. This is our act of worship. If you want prayer or need prayer, you can come forward anytime during worship too, and we'd love to pray for you. Let's worship now together.